It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. BYU, your daily BYU Cougars podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into Locked On BYU. I am your host, Jake Hatch. This is the debut episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to download the show. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a new college arm of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said, my name is Jay Catch. I live here in Utah. I've worked here and covered BYU for nearly a decade at various media outlets, most recently and for the longest time working with the Zone Sports Network in my day job where I am a radio producer and reporter for 1280thezone.com. Like I said, it's going to be a ton of fun. We're covering BYU here, of course. You saw the name, Locked On BYU. That's tell you everything you need to know but we're going to have a ton of fun Uh, fall camp rolls on actually just wrapped up officially today with BYU's final scrimmage of fall camp they are now turning their attention to their season opener which is next Saturday at 8 45 p.m mountain time against the Arizona Wildcats there in Tucson a lot to get to uh, this podcast. We've got three weeks to catch up on, essentially. There's a lot to catch up on there, but really looking forward to being part of the network and having a chance to cover BYU and bring it to you in a bite-sized, digestible format. Podcasts are never too long, about 30 minutes on average, if not shorter. Want to get in, get you the information you need to know, and then get out. So there you go. That's how we're going to fire off the show. So let's get things started right now. Let's talk a little bit about the scrimmage today. BYU, like I said, held their third and final scrimmage scrimmage of fall camp as they close things out for the official fall camp portion of training camp. They're now getting ready for Arizona. Kalani Satake is very excited, he said. He's he's glad his guys have gotten through fall camp, for the most part, uninjured. Only two major injuries that the media has been made aware of that have been acknowledged by BYU. One being cornerback Travion Green, who was out with a knee injury, and then converted a fullback. He was a linebacker last year. Uh, Johnny Kuje Taposoa, who is now a fullback, he is also out for the long term, according to Kalani Satake, what he told us earlier this week. So those two are really the only big injuries that BYU has suffered in this fall camp. And Kalani Satake has acknowledged multiple times that he feels very lucky to have only those two injuries after how physical of a fall camp he put his team through. He said he felt it was necessary to get his team ready for this season. Um, he said that coming into the year, he was worried that, okay, if we really get decimated by injury, it could really hamper our depth, and for good reason. It's a physical sport, as he, as he likes to say all the time. But he felt like his team needed to go live to be have physical practices, to have their quarterbacks, especially as they're trying to whittle it down from four guys originally, to have those quarterbacks go live to get a live look at them and make sure that they were the guys that they thought they were when they was in shorts and T-shirts. Uh, plain and simple, he just wanted to see how tough his team was. He wanted to toughen them up. 
So the good news is BYU got through fall camp relatively healthy. Now they turn their attention to the season. There'll be a lot less live work now that the season is in action because you got to get ready for opponents. You don't want to injure guys unnecessarily, and BYU needs to make sure that they win games. Let's talk a little bit, first things first, about the expectations. Kalani Satake coming into this season, coming off 4-9 and nine last year. They really were under the gun, the coaching staff at BYU was. They, they were being lambasted at every corner. Uh, fans were in near hysterics as they were dropping game after game after game in the middle part of the season. Played four different quarterbacks last year. Just an absolute debacle if you any way you want to shape it. It was just was not up to BYU's lofty standards after 40 years of elite football. Uh, and Kalani Satake needed to make a move. Well, the expectation entering this season, I think if you ask most BYU fans in their heart of hearts, Getting to a bowl game, a 6-6 six and six record, probably would suffice to make BYU fans feel happy. Uh, that's going to be interesting on how they get to those six wins, considering four of the first five games in September are against Power 5 opponents. Like I previously mentioned, BYU opens up at Arizona next Saturday night. They follow it up with a home date and their home opener a week after that when they take on the Cal Golden Bears. And then later on in the month, they go to Wisconsin September 15th, uh, a top five ranked Wisconsin team. They come home for a home date against FCS-level McNeese State and then finish out September at Washington, who is another top 10 team in the AP poll just released the other day. So there you go. That's the murderer's row BYU has to face in the first month of the season. A lot of people wondering, are they going to be any better than 1-4 entering October in in a date against Utah State? That's a great question. In my opinion, for BYU to get to the six and six mark, that they to get to that bowl game, like I mentioned, that probably the benchmark that most BYU fans would be satisfied with. I feel like BYU needs to pick off one of these first two games. They need to either beat Arizona on the road, or in the more likely scenario, in my mind, is beat Cal at home. Of course, Cal coming from sea level, you'll have the elevation advantage of being up here, almost forty five hundred feet up in elevation in Provo, Utah, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But the plain and simple truth is that BYU needs to pick off one of these two games. If they get to October with a 2-3 and three and even a 3-2 and two record, if all things break the right way, in my opinion, I still think regardless of what happens, I don't see BYU beating Washington or, uh, Washington or Wisconsin. That's just me. I'd love to see them shock the world. It would be a lot of fun. But I think if they get out of get into October with a two and three record, or possibly a three and two record, then you're right on pace for that six and six, and maybe even a seven and five potentially record, which is get you that bowl game. Kind of takes the heat off of Kalani Satake, and it really I think gets the fan base rejuvenated a little bit, looking forward to a stellar schedule going into 2019 and 2020 when you have I believe six. Power 5 opponents on the 2019 slate. I believe it's 7 on the 2020 slate. So there's some big time schedules and these aren't all road games are these Power 5 opponents. The schedule finally flips in BYU's favor as an independent in this first um, in these for the first time really since they went independent. They're finally getting multiple Power 5 teams at home is what it's looking like coming up in the coming years. I believe Washington's got a return date in in next year. USC is supposed to be coming to Town. Of course, they have the rivalry games with Utah, which this year is the end of the season. But next year in 2019 and 2020, they're actually going to be the games that start the season off, which is 
just as a side note, something I think BYU should be doing if they're going to play this this Utah game, if it's going to be an annual affair, which is something we can talk about. Uh, Tom Homo had some interesting comments about that. We can get to that in a minute. But I think if BYU and Utah are going to square off regularly, yearly, I think it should be following the Colorado-Colorado State format and some of the other big rivalries with teams in opposite in different leagues is you face off week one of the season it builds the hype machine around the teams as the summer progresses and i think it really helps things so getting back to my original point BYU needs to get to six and six. Kalani Satake said he's very happy this team is healthy coming out of the uh, coming to the end of fall camp today with the end of their final scrimmage of fall camp. And the great news is they're entering Arizona relatively healthy. There's some things in dance guys banged up a little bit. That's what comes with a physical camp. But he doesn't expect anybody to be out long term outside of Travion Green and Johnny Tapasoa, which is good news for BYU because they need all hands on deck. In all honesty. So there you go. That's some of my opening thoughts on the podcast here. We're going to take a break here. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about some of the comments from Tom Homo at his at was BYU Education Week, which is ongoing down in Provo. He always talks to the attendees, and of course the media usually shows up. I believe Jeff Call and Jay Drew. Jeff Call, of course, from the Deseret News, and Jay Drew from the Salt Lake Tribune, the beat reporters for BYU for their respective papers, were in attendance at that. We'll talk a little bit more about some of his comments coming up. We also need to get to some listener questions that I solicited on Twitter. You can hit us up, hit us up always at LockedOnBYU or on my personal Twitter feed at Jacob C. Hatch. Thank you so much for downloading the, the podcast. We really appreciate the support with the debut episode. We'll be back on the other side. This is Locked On BYU, your source for BYU athletics every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. are Locked On BYU, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On BYU, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jake Hatch, host of the podcast here. Thank you so much for downloading us. It's been a lot of fun. It's a debut episode of the podcast. Going to be bringing you BYU news each and every day, keeping you updated on the Cougars. And I, like I said, thanks in advance for downloading us. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. You can get Locked On BYU and all the other great Locked On Podcast Networks. I'm a massive fan of the Locked On Jazz. Of course, David Locke, one of the, well, no, not, not one of the, the original Locked On Podcast. David's podcast is a daily staple for myself. I'm also a big fan of Locked On 49ers, being a San Francisco 49ers fan. But of course, there's Locked On Podcast for pretty much every team that you can think of. And with the Locked On Podcast Network launching a new college division, really excited to be covering the BYU Cougars for you here. All right, we needed to talk a little bit about Tom Homo's comments earlier this week. Hits on some football notes. Also hit on some basketball notes, which might be the juiciest of all the things he talked about at BYU Education Week. He has an annual um, event where he sits down. Well, not really sits down. He stands up in front of a bunch of people, and he talks about all the things going on with BYU athletics. He's very frank. 
open. It's it's unvarnished. There's no, there's no coach speak, so to say. He just kind of lays it out how it is. So we'll start off with BYU basketball news. Jeff Call, like I said, from the Deseret News and Jay Drew from the Salt Lake Tribune were in attendance for his event at BYU Education Week, and they brought back some quotes from it. And that's the so let's start with the BYU basketball program. The most newsworthy subject that Homo addressed in this was that there could be NCAA sanctions affecting the BYU basketball program coming in the next two months related to the Nick Emery situation. Just as a short recap, Nick Emery withdrew from school last year, redshirted the season last year after he was under investigation for taking improper benefits, including a car, some meals, trips it looked like. The NCAA looked into it. He spent a whole year out of basketball, um, and he was finally um, cleared by the NCAA to return to school and return to play with the BYU basketball program, but with the provision that he would sit out the first nine games of this upcoming season. The tidbit that's interesting here from Jeff Call and Jay Drew is that the NCAA sanctions could affect the BYU basketball program as a whole. This came during a 55-minute Q&A session at Education Week. Um, he says that there. So the quote from Jeff Call here, I'm reading from his Twitter feed. He says, "There have been some that co- have come out. Those are so those those that there have been come come out are the reports about the BYU basketball situation." He says, "Those reports are in regard to Nick Emery. Everything that's been known has been reported, but there's another part of this that comes up sometime in September or October." There's another part that has to do with with not the individual athlete, but the rest of the program. We find that. We'll, we find that out, and we'll be able to dis- discuss that in October. That's very interesting. I assumed myself, and that maybe it may have been just my my simple folly, that I believe that once the Nick Emery situation had been resolved, that BYU was free and clear and was able to move on. This means that there's something deeper going on, and the NCAA is continuing to look into the BYU basketball program. Whatever sanctions there might be, I'm not going to speculate on that because I wouldn't have the have this, the wherewithal to even begin to consider where the sanctions might come from and what they might entail. But it'll be very interesting to see how it all shakes out here and if there are sanctions imposed on, the, on Dave Rose's team. Um, I know the NCAA can do multiple things. There are scholarship reductions. There's postseason bans. Those are, of course, the, the the most extreme. Those are for the offenders that part of this NCAA probe from the FBI. Those are the offenders that probably get more of that stuff. But, of course, you can also have practice time taken away, recruiting um, restrictions, including time out on the road for assistant coaches. Uh, chances to talk with athletes can all be reduced by the NCAA. So whatever punitive measures are taken by the NCAA if there are any we'll find that out later on I was just very surprised that Homo was this unvarnished about it saying that the investigation is ongoing regarding the entire program for the BYU basketball program it'll be interesting to see what happens and whatever comes out of it I'm excited to see we'll be tracking it of course if anything comes out on this between now and according to Tom Homo October when they find out about it we'll of course be able to cover it for you here on Locked on BYU because we are your source every day for BYU athletics news a couple other things coming out of Tom Homo's um, talks was Q and a with the, with the fans. Um, he said that I go to church on Sundays and this is of course referring to last season. Usually after a big win, it's hard for me to get to my seat. People want to talk about the game. After last year, I walked into church and it was kind of like the parting of the Red Sea. Nobody wanted to talk to me. I think they felt sorry for me. People would say, Brother Homo, from those who would call me Tom all the time, are you okay? 
says, yeah, it was a hard thing. There's not a book you can go to other than the scriptures. There's not a book that tell you how to recover from a four and nine season by Lavelle Edwards. He didn't leave that book behind. So you can tell it took an effect. The four and nine season last year really took a toll on the BYU athletics program. And Tom Homo being the lead man, he is the athletics director for BYU. It sounds like it took a, a, a took a ma- major toll on him. Uh, we talked about in the first segment, uh, BYU six and six is the benchmark for BYU. Get to that bowl game, breathe some life into this program, get some of that, rejuvenate the fans a little bit, get them excited about the future. If it is a guy like Zach Wilson and, or Tanner Mangum, who's the starting quarterback, if it's Zach Wilson in particular, if you go six and six, seven and five with a freshman quarterback. You get fans really looking forward to the future, and they're really excited at that point, I think. They just kind of see the natural progression taking place in their mind, and it gets them going. Even if it is Tanner Mangum and he leads them to a successful season, it's a redemption story for a man, for a young man that has been through the ringer. Major injuries, being benched, being beat out for a job. So BYU get to that 6-6, six and six and all will be well, essentially, for BYU fans. Last thing I wanted to get to from Tom Homo is here was regarding playing Utah, particularly in football. Uh, he said that, quote, my expectation is we play them every year in every sport. Uh, Homo clarified that Utah won't do contracts beyond two years at a time. I, I get that. Of course, the Utes being in the Pac-12, they have nine conference games that are set up. With a 12-game schedule, they have one less than some of their Power 5 com- uh, compatriots who have only eight conference games that are set. They can Those other programs can schedule an extra game, which would make it probably a little easier for BYU and Utah to accommodate things if it was an eight-game schedule. The Pac-12 doesn't do that. So I can understand why Utah will only go two years at a time. I'm sure BYU, if they could do it, would do something similar to the Boise State deal that they did was when BYU went independent, so that's eight years ago. I believe it was a 12-year deal originally, home and home, six home, six away. I think BYU would totally go for that if they could get Utah to go for it. Doesn't sound like the Utes are willing to do that, so as long as as BYU can get home and home for the Utes for the time being, I think you take it and you kind of do do, do with it as you will. The interesting part, though, is Homo talked about the fact that it may not make sense every year for Utah to schedule BYU, and he understands that. I'm not sure that's ever been acknowledged from from a BYU official that he understands why Utah might not want to schedule BYU every year, especially in football. I get what he's saying. I completely understand why he would do that, and I think that it's in a in a way he's making sure that he covers his bases when he has fans that might be uh, griping at him if the, if it does come to it that BYU and Utah skip another series or two down the road while he's continues to be athletic director. I don't think he sees that happening. He called Mark Harlan, Utah's new athletic director, quote a really good guy, and said that he really enjoys working with him. So we'll see what happens. I I completely get why Utah might be reticent to to go long term with BYU. I get it. I, there are there are coaches up on that program at Utah. I don't think I'm breaking major news net here that don't want to play BYU. They don't see is is they see it as a lose lose situation for them uh, being in a Power Five conference and playing playing their rival like BYU. They just don't see any upside to it. So I don't know what happens, but I thought those were some great comments from Tom Homo. Hats off to Jeff Call and Jay Drew for going to this event, getting the quotes. It's it, it, it's something that's become more of an annual tradition now um, since it was found out that Tom 
Homo was doing this. So hats off to those two gentlemen for for being the hounds that got the quotes and allowing me to use them. But I really thought those three points were very interesting. I wanted to share those with you guys in case you hadn't heard them yet. All right, we'll take a break here. We'll take our it's our final time out here on the program. We're going to come back with Locked on BYU, a mailbag segment, get to some of your questions that have been sent in, address some of the pressing issues that you have about the BYU football program and anything else that's on your mind. Like I said on Twitter, hit us up at Locked on BYU or my personal Twitter feed at Jacob C. Hatch. You can find us either place. Let us know what you think. You also can drop us an email at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com if you want to do it the old school way via an email. I guess it's not really old school. It's more new age, but it's older than Twitter. So there you go. We'll take a time out. We'll be back. This is Locked On BYU, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. BYU, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On BYU. My name is Jay Catch. Thank you so much for taking the time to download the podcast. Debut episode today, August 23rd. BYU has closed up fall camp officially. Attention has turned towards their September 1st opener against Arizona in Tucson. Lots of fun. It's been a fun fall camp. A lot of news. Of course, the BYU quarterback battle still not official yet. That who will be the starting quarterback? The battle between Tanner Mangum and Zach Wilson rages on. We wondered as the media if we would get an announcement today after the scrimmage that they would do that. Jeff Grimes breaking our hearts a little bit, saying, no, we haven't decided yet. Could come on Monday. Could wait until the game. There's some gamesmanship going on. And of course, Kalani Sataki is the ultimate decision maker here at with this decision. So I think that he's going to play, he's going to play it close to the vest. I think he wants to keep Arizona in the dark as much as possible. Of course, you're keeping them in the dark regarding your offense period, because this is a brand new offense implemented by Jeff Grimes, this fall camp. So a lot of fun. All right. As we wrap things up, I mentioned, we talk, get to some of your questions that have been sent in on Twitter. Of course, you can hit us up at locked on BYU or at my personal Twitter feed at Jacob C hatch love interacting with fans, getting your questions and answering them. So we'll get to some of these real quick. Uh, Colby Nelson at Colby underscore Nelson 16 sent in a question said any update on Ula Tolatau or Joe Tukuafu and if they will be back. Here's what I know. Joe Tukuafu is enrolled at UVU in Orem. Uh, the plan for him, based on what I have heard, is for him to be back with BYU in the winter in time for spring ball next year. So he will not be on the team this 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 fall. Ula Tolatau, a similar situation. The issue is I do not know if he's enrolled in school elsewhere. I know that they would love to get him back, but they need to get some coursework out of the way, especially in the if Joe Tuguafu is enrolled at UVU, get some schooling done and get that out of the way, and hopefully they can be back with the team. 
I know that, like I said, I've heard that Joe Tukwaf, who plans to rejoin the team at some point, Ula's future is a little more cloudy. I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do. Uh, Jared Brady at the J Brady Bunch. I get what you're doing there, Jared, and I like it. I respect it. You're, you're owning your last name. I really like that. It says, in your opinion, is Zach Wilson really playing? At, well, it says planning. I'm assuming playing as well as Tanner, if not better. And then he asks the second question: Who's your vote for QB? Not gonna lie, if you had asked me at the beginning of this week, I said my vote for QB had flipped from Tanner Mangum to Zach Wilson. Anybody that's kind of talked to me in the last few months leading up to fall camps, I thought if Tanner Mangum was healthy, that he would be the quarterback. But my opinion was changing. Everything I had heard is Zach Wilson was really standing out in scrimmages, etc., and was really making an impression. Now, this past week, everything I have heard and everything I've seen in practice, we get to watch about 30 minutes as the media. Everything I've seen this week, it looks like Tanner's getting more of the reps with the ones. So my opinion is right now my vote is Tanner Mangum, but who knows? I think this is still very much a battle. The coaching staff isn't, I think, ready to announce it yet, and that's why Jeff Grimes held off on announcing it. So who knows? I, I, but I do think Zach Wilson has been playing as well as Tanner, if not better, at points. Tanner has also had his days. I think it's been very interesting as they go back and forth it's legitimately been a battle another question here as we get closer to the end of the podcast here got a couple time for a couple more questions kyle schuler at slam dunk 152 on twitter asks what's going on with the guys that are at practice but not participating lapuaho louis lapuaho uh bo hodge tavita munga uh, Louis Lapuaho is still working himself back into shape. He's been out for the majority of two years with multiple lower leg injuries and surgeries. He's a guy when he's on the field can do some things, but the coaching staff is being very, very careful with him to make sure he doesn't have a setback and that they can get some get, get some positive contributions out of it, out of him. Bo Hodge has been slowed by some dings and dents from reports. Kalani Sitaki said he expects him to be fully healthy for Arizona. I think it's more of a maintenance issue right now with Hodge, making sure he gets to the season healthy. Of course, his season was cut short last year by a concussion and also a, a toe injury, so they want to make sure he's healthy. Tavita Moonga has been out of practice a few times. We've seen him. We actually saw him today. He was in street clothes. Um, I know that the BYU coaching staff wants to get him back on the field as soon as possible, but I don't know what the status is, honestly. If, the, if he's able to join the team when school starts, I believe school starts on Monday, maybe that's the case. Maybe it was a grades issue and he just needed to get things cleared. I don't know the exact issue, but I do know that Tavita Moonga, once he's on the field, could definitely help this BYU defensive tackle bunch. Kairos Tonga, Meti Taleuli, and um, Lorenzo Falatea have been a great three-man rotation. Bracken Bakri's also got to be in the mix there as well as Zach Daw. But if you got a kid like Tavita Munga on that field, I think you have a starting quality defensive tackle that could really contribute. All right, last thing. Uh, Michael Christensen at Elko Cougar also asked about Tavita Munga joining the team. So there you go, Michael. I kind of answered your question there as well. Last question coming in here. Um, Robbie Haskell, he says, does BYU need a 1,000-yard rusher to have a successful season? Or is running back by committee sufficient to get seven to eight wins? Robbie, if you're listening to earlier on earlier on in the podcast, my benchmark, just me looking at BYU, is six wins this year. Would a thousand yard rusher mean a successful season? Absolutely. I think it would. Here's the issue though. I believe that BYU feels like they have three running backs that can legitimately contribute. Those would be Squally Canada, Bo Hodge, and Lopini Katoa. And if a guy that gets healthy could also contribute is KJ Hall, but he is still out with injury, so I'm gonna count him out for right now. 
I think that it, this running back by committee this year is a little different than it was last year when Ula Tolatau was in the mix, etc. If they can get, let's say they get a five to 600-yard rushing year out of two of those guys, let's say Bo Hodge and Squally Cannon up with 500 to 600 yards, so they have 1,000 to 1,200 yards between them, and maybe a three 400-yard season out of Lopini Katoa, yeah, I think that's a successful year. I don't think they need necessarily a 1,000-yard rusher to be successful. They'd like to get that, I believe, but I don't think that they necessarily are believing they're going to get that. Okay, I hope I'm not talking to myself in circles and you understand what I'm talking about here, Robbie. But um, Hasro24, Robbie Haskell, asking the question about BYU needing a 1,000-yard rusher. I think they'll be okay without it, but we will see. So there you have it. That's the debut episode. Thank you so much for the questions. There's a question that's coming in. That I actually want to. I'm going to do an expanded topic on this tomorrow. And so I don't want to, you want you to feel like you were left out. Seth Baird. He's at Baird Seth on Twitter. He asked about Jeff Grimes. He asked. I want to know more about Jeff Grimes. I'm going to do a longer segment on this tomorrow on the podcast because I really do feel like we can get into more into depth about who Jeff Grimes is and what kind of um, what kind of coach BYU fans can expect from him. We'll do that tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning into the debut episode. Like I said, download us. Let us know what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnBYU. My personal Twitter feed at Jacob C. Hatch. I've got a special deal for those of you that may be advertising inclined here on the Locked On Podcast Network. A special um, starting off with the new new debut of the podcast is a $200 for one spot a week for two months. If you're interested in doing that, hit us up at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Love to talk to you more about that opportunity. Like I said, $200 for one spot a week for a full two months. So that's eight spots essentially for $200. Love to have you involved in the podcast advertising wise. If you are interested in something like that, let me know. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow talking a little bit more about Jeff Grimes and everything else happening in BYU sports. This has been Locked On BYU, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On BYU, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.